how you doing today? Facebook has uh, convinced us that we are all friends, but is that really true? Pastor Robert Jeffress describes four levels of friendships. One, acquaintances, grocery store clerks, bank tellers, people we wave at because we think we know them. Or is that just me? Casual friends, first name basis, some of these may last a few months and some may last a lifetime. Close friends, usually these relationships are formed on agreement in many basic issues. They're classmates and co-workers, casual church members, fantasy football teams, bikers, runners. Fourth, intimate friends. These are built on spiritual or family relationships or emotional fulfillment. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity or through adversity. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. In John chapter 3 and verse 29, we get this beautiful description, John the Baptist describing what true friendship is and what true relationship is to his disciples, and he's comparing him to Christ. He says in chapter 3, verse 29, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the wedding waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. In those days, it wasn't here comes the bride, it was here comes the bridegroom. And John says he's just there to to introduce the bridegroom. He said, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was not meant to be there forever. He was doing the work of preparing the way for Christ. And so he told his disciples that were concerned about him losing disciples. I am just part of the inner court. I'm part of the wedding party, but I am excited when I hear the bridegroom's voice. Friend in the Greek means a friend in the court or inner circle. Can friendship hurt? Do friendships fail? Absolutely. Psalm chapter 41 and verse 9 says, Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. This is one of those scriptures that has dual fulfillment. It had fulfillment then when David was betrayed, but its ultimate fulfillment was found when Judas betrayed Christ in John chapter 13 and verse 18. We have some interesting scriptures in um, 2 Chronicles 27, Isaiah 41, 8, and James chapter 2, 23. Interesting because it says this, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness or as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. But in Genesis 26, 24, Abraham is also called the servant of God. He was both. We as friends serve one another. Dr. Oswald Sanders says this, Each of us is as close to God as we choose to be. Close to God. A friend of God. How is that possible? 
So how do we get close to God? And is everyone a true friend of God? In John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17, it's a portion of scripture originally that Jesus is talking to his disciples. and But I also believe it relates to us as well. It relates to us as as those who have given our lives to Christ. We've admitted that we're a sinner, that we've asked him to cleanse our sin because he's the only one that can. Um, Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says that. We believe that he is our savior. He's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and I'm in the world. So when I admit that I'm in need of that cleansing and that forgiveness, I come to him and then I commit my life to him. It's more than just a moment at an altar. It's more than just raising your hand and repeating a few words. It goes much deeper than that. That's the entry point. That's where we commit our lives to Christ at salvation. And then we walk out this salvation. And how do we do that? John chapter 15 and verse 9, Jesus talking to his disciples. And I believe He's talking to us as well. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have loved my, or obeyed my Father's commands, excuse me, and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. There's that word again, friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Let's uh, take a look at uh, those verses and and kind of take a look at what we talked about here in being a friend of God. Verse 9 says, remain in my love. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Many of us have known what it is to drift. Um, Things aren't as important spiritually as they used to be. Time with God isn't as important. Many of us know people who started well, started strong, and walked away. The writer of Hebrews says, we must remain careful. We must pay careful attention not to drift away. Verse 10 says, obey my commands. Yes, Yes, I know we live under grace, but grace is not a license for sin, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6. We need to draw close to God. We need to read his word. We need to know what he asks of us. No, we can't disobey scripture, live wrongly, and expect God to bless us and stay close to God. Verse 11, he says, I want my joy in you and your joy to be complete. God wants your life to be a, a, a life filled with joy, not happiness. Happiness is this fleeting thing. I'm happy about this. I'm happy about that. Joy is this depth 
that is so much deeper than happiness. It is this joy that in the midst of all kinds of situations and circumstances, we have an understanding that our anchor is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. And he says in there something so amazing. I want my joy to be in you. In verses 12 and 13, it says, love each other. And what's the example and who do I follow? He says, love each other like I have loved you and gave my life for you. Now, most of us are not going to lay down our lives um, physically or literally, but we give our lives in the service of others and in the service of Christ. Verse 14, you're my friends if you obey my words. It cannot get much clearer than that, much clearer than that. We need to obey his words to be his friends. We need to follow his example. I've had people say, Pastor Gary, God doesn't speak to me. And I say, have you opened up your Bible? The Bible says in John 1, 1, Jesus is the word, right? He's the word. And 1, 14 says he's the word made flesh. He is the one who speaks to us and he speaks to, to us through the pages of his word. Verses 15 and 16, I have hid nothing from you. It's all in my word. Read it, follow it, pray listen and talk to God. Then he says, I chose you. You didn't choose me. There's a scripture years ago or bumper sticker theology, we called it. Um, I found it or I found him. You didn't find God. He wasn't lost. He found you. The Bible says he came to seek and to save those who are lost. God's a stalker of you. He's a stalker of my life. He, he comes after us. He desires to have the relationship. In fact, he desires to, to spend time with us more than we desire to spend time with him. No one is like our God. He loves you. I tell people all the time, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. I've had people push back on me and say, Pastor, you can't say that. Yes, I can. Explain the cross to me if Jesus isn't madly in love with us. If God isn't madly in love with us, that Romans chapter 8, 32 says that he didn't even spare his own son. You were worth it. You are worth it. And no matter where you're at in your walk, whether you're drifting or whether you're just passionate about your walk with God, he's always been passionate about you. Then he says to go and bear fruit. Our lives are not supposed to be a Sunday to Sunday experience where we come and have the pastor and say, feed me, entertain me. It's about taking that that the pastors give us and applying the word of God to our lives and going and bearing fruit. Fruit, he says, that lasts. And then he says, if you do that, if you go and you bear fruit that lasts, you can expect God to meet your needs and answer prayers. And listen to this. He will answer prayers that are best for you. God loves you enough not to give you things that will not hurt you. There are times when God will just say, okay, and you can walk into a relationship or something that will hurt you, but that's your choice. God didn't answer your prayer by giving you someone that will hurt you. He's not that kind of a God. You're not that kind of a parent. And why should we think God would be that kind of a parent? In verse 17, he says, love one another. Love one another. So simple. Or is it? We like to love those who agree with us. We like to love those who, um, who love us back. But he didn't say that. 
He said to love one another. In speaking to his disciples here, obviously, he wanted them to love one another. But in speaking to you as a disciple, he also wants you to love one another. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain, faith and hope and love. And they're all important, but Paul goes on to say the greatest of these is love. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 says, The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you. Until next time. Bye-bye.